0: Christmas, so glad to see you guys as you make your way in, have a seat, and we'll get started this morning. It is so good to be with you on this Lord's Day morning, Christmas morning. I'm so thrilled that you guys have made it a point to be able to worship with us this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, family in town, we're so glad that you're here as as we celebrate together on this Lord's Day. Let me do this. Let me pray for us, um, and then we'll get started this morning. Uh, Alex will come and lead us in singing, "O come, O come, Emmanuel," lighting the Advent candle, hearing from the word of God this morning on this merry Christmas day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Um, God, we thank you for what it is that we celebrate, for the reasons that we have to celebrate. God, we thank you that uh, the coming of Christ. Father means that our sin has been dealt with. Father, our sin has been nailed to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, we have life because of Christ this morning. Thank you, O God, for this church. Thank you for these people gathered on this Christmas morning to worship, to celebrate. Father, I pray that for these moments together, O God, that we would be able to focus our hearts, our minds, our attention, O God, upon you, that you would be praised, honored, and adored. And it's through Christ that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Church family, let's stand together as we sing this morning.
1: No come, thou rod of Jesse, free Thine own from Satan's tyranny From depths of hell thy people save And give them victory, O Day, spring, come and cheer Our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night And death's dark shadows put to flight And rejoice Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to Thee, O Israel. Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to Thee, O
0: This Christmas morning, we come to light the final Advent candle here together, the white candle in the middle, signifying Christ, His holy, pure life that came to save His people from their sins. Everything that we have been thinking about on the Sundays leading up to today, everything has been pointing us to the celebration and remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pittered family is going to come and lead us in the final lighting of the final candle this morning, so let's worship with them as they come.
2: This thing on? Today on this final day of advent. We focus our attention on Jesus, who is the fulfillment of God's hope, peace, joy, and love to the world. As we worship on this Christmas morning, may we glory in our Savior who came to save his people from their sins and who will one day return to take his people to be with him in his eternal kingdom.
3: Isaiah seven fourteen Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel.
2: Galatians four, four through seven. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, redeemed to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Luke two, twenty five through thirty five. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, "'Now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace,' according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to for the gentiles and the glory of your people Israel and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary behold this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and as a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed
4: Revelation 19, 11 through 16, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads on the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of King and Lord of Lords.
2: Please join me in prayer. Father, there's been a lot of excitement and anticipation of the gifts that we would receive during this Christmas holiday. Lord, but those things is short-lived, Lord, and they can often disappoint. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we focus now on the, the true gift, Lord, your Christ, a gift that doesn't disappoint. Lord, that we remember that he has given us hope when there was no hope. Lord, that he has given us peace, a peace with God, the peace with you, Lord, that passes all understanding. Lord, he's given us uh, joy, it's incomprehensible, Lord, and filled with glory. And Lord, that he has shown us what true love really is. Lord, I pray that as we focus this morning, uh, that we would remember that gift, and that we would celebrate and honor him in all that we do today and every day over the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins relieved. What a friend for sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, he my Savior. Heaven raise us to thy glory. I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Good The Rock
3: Good morning. We're going to look at John 1 14 this morning. We're going to wrap the month up and this day in looking at this wonderful verse that is so very fitting for this morning. So let's recite it once. We'll talk and pray. All right. So follow with me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14, the Son of God has come and taken flesh. So Christmas is the incarnation that God himself would become one of us. He would become just like you and just like me. It's unlike anything else in this world that God himself would come into our darkness, would shine light and life in order to redeem And to make right what we have wronged. What a reason to rejoice. And to celebrate. That Christ has come. God has come. Into the world. To fix sin and death. And that we get to be a part of that. The recipients of it by his grace. But also get to watch as he brings all things underneath the feet of God. For eternity. Let's pray. Father God I thank you. Thank you that you took flesh and dwelt among us. The only Son, the begotten, first begotten only Son of God who would come and be like us. And like us in perfection and completeness, in humility, in obedience, all the things that our sin has tarnished and removed from any volition or ability, Lord. That as we are wayward, we desire to run from you we desire to go our way many of us more stubborn than others and that all of our sin all of our waywardness our self-destruction are fighting against you that you by grace have come that we would be freed and forgiven and given life that our darkness and death would be illuminated by the grace of christ so, Father, thank you. Thank you for the life you've given us. Thank you for, Lord, those who know you and that we can rejoice in your grace and your kindness. We can rejoice in the justice that was laid upon Christ on the cross. That your wrath was extinguished in him. Father, thank you, Lord. And God, would you help us across this room that, Lord, we, we would come face to face with you this morning whether it is in a manger, as an infant, or on the cross. That, God, we would see you high, lifted up. We would see you and be drawn to you, God. That some fresh, the first in repentance and faith, and then others, Lord, you would bring us in renewed faith, in renewed repentance, Lord. That we would walk away this morning trusting fully in your Son, Jesus for the glory of your name, and for the good of your world. So, Father, would you be with us, lead and guide and speak this morning. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Church family, let me invite you to take God's word this morning and join me, not in Matthew's gospel, but in Luke's gospel this morning. Luke chapter 2. Just a brief pause from our study through Matthew's gospel. Luke 2 this morning, two verses for us. Verses 10. 10. And 11, familiar to many, if not most of you, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 this morning. In recent years, a spotlight, if you will, has been shown upon a singular moment that happens in a Charlie Brown Christmas. Some of you are maybe beginning to think about that and maybe the moment to which I refer this morning. You recall that in the kind of the Peanuts universe, right, uh, that all of these little characters, Charlie Brown and his bald head, Lucy and her attitude, you know, it goes on. They have, it seems, a bit of a singular purpose to try to separate poor little Linus. You remember Linus, the blue blanket, um, his little security blanket. It seems to be an effort from them throughout all the comic strips, little movies, to remove Linus from his trusty blue security blanket. If you have watched a Charlie Brown Christmas this season, uh, then you might recall that Charlie Brown himself is distressed. Can't find the true meaning of Christmas, right? He's depressed. Uh, All the commercialism has him pretty worn out. And so he's going around trying to find out what is the true meaning of Christmas. You know the story. He ends up directing a Christmas play. He's sort of bad at it um, and finds himself maybe even in more sadness and depression because even in that, he still cannot find the true meaning of Christmas. Finally, there's a moment as they're putting on this play where it seems that Linus maybe has had a bit enough of all this, and so he steps to the middle of the stage, his trusty blue blanket in hand, never lets go of this security blanket, and he steps to the middle of the stage, and you recall that he begins to quote from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And it's in the middle of him reciting that verse that just you almost would miss it. If, you're, if you don't know it's there or if you're not paying attention, you would almost miss it. But in the moment when Linus quotes from Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 and says, do not be afraid, he drops, for the very first time ever, he drops his blue security blanket. At the exact moment when he quotes from Luke 2, fear not, the blanket drops. It's an interesting moment woven into that by the creator of the Peanuts, Charles Schultz, who himself was an avowed believer, a Christian. And it's not this morning that we need a Christmas cartoon to teach us what Scripture explicitly says, but it is... A fascinating example of how the birth of Jesus Christ, it reverberates throughout all of the world. It reverberates and echoes into every little corner of culture all throughout history to clearly proclaim God is with us, therefore fear is dead. Christ has come, Emmanuel, God with us, and what that then necessarily means for God's people, for humanity, is that fear is dead. The sovereign God of the universe has come to earth to save his people from their sins as we have seen in recent weeks. And he comes to save and rescue them from the most fearful thing imaginable, which is separation from him because of our sin. And so then, it's no accident that on the night in which Jesus is born, that the angelic messengers on that Bethlehem hillside They proclaim in chapter 2 of Luke verses 10 and 11, do not be afraid. For, here's why, behold, look, see, pay attention, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. It was Christ the Lord. All the events of all the ages are culminating in Luke 2. It's no accident that Caesar Augustus declares that a census should be taken, which drives every man to the city, the town of his birth, and now in Bethlehem as prophesied throughout the centuries Christ is born. And the very first declaration that we get after the birth of Christ is that of do not be afraid. For he's been born for you, the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. These verses are so familiar to us, I think, but let's let them hit us fresh and new for just a moment together this morning, and let me draw out two truths for us from verses 10 and 11. The first one in verse 10, second in verse 11. So here's our first truth in verse 10 that Christmas means God is with us and fear is dead. Christmas means, this morning means, this celebration means, all the lights, all the candles, all the songs, it means that God is with us and fear is dead. Verse 10. Verse 9, sorry. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. You get the scene, right? Shepherds, pretty normal night. They've done this a thousand times probably in their lives. Just out, normal night, watching over the flocks. Just an attentive ear to make sure that there's no predator that would come in the routine, done it a lot before, but this night something is very different, because the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they are terribly, terribly frightened. And We may think, it's just a little light, angels, what's the big deal? You've seen some maybe strange things out here before, why is this the thing that now all of a sudden has you terribly frightened? There can be, in the Greek language, no more stronger word for being terribly afraid than this. They are shook to their very core. Their insides are quaking at what is taking place. And lest we think, what's the big deal? It's just a little light. Remember that in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple, what did he think? I'm a dead man. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I've seen the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. That same glory of God now illuminates the heavens and indeed they are terribly frightened. But, verse 10, but the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, Of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's actually a command. This isn't a mere suggestion. It's actually a a, a present imperative in the Greek. Right here, right now hey, stop being afraid. No more fear. No more. Do not be afraid. Is God being indifferent in verse 10 to their plight? Is God being cold-hearted toward these simple shepherds out in the field and and, and they're, they're being illuminated now by the glory of God and the messenger comes and the message from God is, hey, cut it out. Stop being afraid. Is God somehow indifferent or heartless to the plight of these shepherds? No. And in fact, beloved, it's just the opposite. For in that command... Do not be afraid is actually actually a message of mercy. It's a message of grace and kindness and mercy from God that says to these quaking shepherds, no more. Afraid, no more. It's a message of mercy. What do I mean by that? In our sinful unredeemed state, we can only live in perpetual fear. That is the fruit of sin in our lives, at least one of the fruits of sin in our lives, that it produces a fear in us, an impending dread, an ever-present doom in our souls as we think about eternity. As we think about God, as we think about our relationship with him, what happens to me when I die, the fact that we are sinners and in our unredeemed state, it means that there's only one feeling. It'll never be peace. It'll never be calm. It'll never be assurance. It can only be fear. We have broken God's law. We have broken every aspect Of God's law. We are in our sin worse than we think we are. We are more guilty and condemned than we can imagine. We are under the curse, guilty before the righteous judge of the universe. And so then we know and we can only know fear. Think about Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 and that great passage that's reminding us, now that we have been born again, here's what is true of us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, it tells us that our sin is slavery in our spirit, which then leads us to fear. This is why he says to them, because you are in Christ, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, another place that reminds us that Jesus came to deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. In our sinful, unredeemed state, there is only one natural response to the glory of God. And that is what Isaiah said in Isaiah 6. It's what the shepherds are demonstrating in Luke 2. It is a cowering away, quaking in our very soul before a holy, righteous, sovereign judge of the universe. Fear. I am undone before Him. Fear not. fear not. Stop being afraid. No more quaking. No more cowering. Fear not. I I don't think that we would have been surprised if scripture had recorded the shepherd saying something like this, fear not. What? What? Fear not? What do you mean fear not? That's all we've ever known. Fear not. Telling a sinner to fear not is like telling the sun to not rise in the east. It just cannot happen for there is always an impending dread and fear upon the sinner's heart. And yet, this is the word of God why why no more fear do not be afraid for word is not insignificant because it now points you to the reason that god gives us to fear not so for look behold pay attention see this hear this i bring you good news of great joy Which will be for all the people. Good news. Gospel news. The angel's preaching in this moment, the angel is evangelizing in this moment. I bring you the news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, the glorious news, the better news. That Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. And that news is a joyous reality that utterly destroys fear in our hearts. We don't quake in our boots under the crushing, condemning weight of the law. There is now good news into this darkness. There is light There is hope, joy, peace. There is Christ. Fear not. In Jesus, church, in Jesus, God is with us. God is with us. And his nearness to us, the fact that he comes to earth, that he gets close to us, born in a manger, dwells among His people. John says we touched Him. The fact that God is with us is the antidote to fear. And I want you to think with me about all the promises in in the Old Testament. Think about all these commands of God, all these promises, where God's people are called to trust in the nearness of God In the midst of their trouble. Just a few places. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 1. When you go out to battle against your enemies. And see horses and chariots and people. More numerous than you. Do not be afraid of them. For. The Lord your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt, is with you. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious, do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. Over and over and over again throughout God's word the command comes fear not, why? For I am with you. I am near to you. I am close to you in your time of trouble and now in the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. All the promises, I'm with you, with you. Do not fear, I'm with you. They come to pass in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not fear. Because Emmanuel has come and fear and condemnation are dead. This message, this good news In verse 10 is good news of fear's demise. For whom? For all the people. The gospel comes to the shepherds. The gospel comes to the people of Israel. The gospel comes and extends into every corner of the world, into every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, every sanctuary. Every pew, the gospel comes and it says this. If there is fear in your heart this morning about your relationship with God, where you stand with Him, what happens to you when you die, only Christ, only Christ can assuage that fear and bring you tidings of comfort and joy. Only Christ can do that, for it is Christ alone, and the news of his coming that kills fear in us. so if you're not in Christ this morning, you you might be opening presents and Singing songs and maybe even feeling good about life. But if you're not in Christ, if you haven't turned from your sins and trusted in Him by faith to save you, then you still live under the crushing weight of guilt and fear. You no, know, friend, I plead with you to come to Christ this day. Do not delay. You're not promised. An hour, you're not promised tomorrow, you're not promised 2023, do not wait. For Today, there has been born for you. and Today is the day of your salvation. Church, if you are in Christ this morning, you have no fear. Fear is dead. It has been removed from you. And there is no longer a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, O church. All praise and honor and glory to his name. J.C. Ryle, great Anglican bishop, once said this, The spiritual darkness which had covered the earth for 4,000 years was about to be rolled away. The way to pardon and peace with God was about to be thrown open to all mankind. The head of Satan was about to be bruised. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. The mighty truth was about to be proclaimed that God could be just and yet for Christ's sake justify the ungodly. Salvation was no longer seen through types and figures, but openly and face to face. The knowledge of God was no longer to be confined to the Jews, but to be offered to the whole Gentile world. The days of heathenism were numbered. The first stone of God's kingdom was about to be set up. If this was not good tidings, there never were tidings that deserved the name. I bring you good tidings of great joy. God has come and fear is dead. But then secondly in verse 11, second truth regarding Christmas is that Christmas means sovereign God has come to us and we are saved. Very similar themes. Christmas means that sovereign God has come to us and we are saved. So verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Okay, what is the good news of great joy for all the people for? Verse 11, here it is. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus has come. The incarnation has occurred. Wonder of all wonders, mystery of all mysteries, beauty of all beauties, the pre existent eternal Word of God is here. God in flesh, church. How? How? God in flesh, Emmanuel, swaddled in a manger. The second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, has just traveled through a birth canal and has been born. The sovereign creator who breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils now takes into his own nostrils the first breath of earth's air and expels it in a baby's cry. The transcendent, the untouchable, has become imminent, near, close, and we can get our hands on God. This is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing, especially when you consider what's going on in the Old Testament. Remember Exodus 19 and 20? Don't come near that mountain. Don't you touch it. For I am there, where I am is holy, and if you in your sinful state, if you touch it, you die. Remember Uzzah? David's bringing the... Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after rescuing it from the Philistines. David doesn't do it right. They don't carry it on poles. He puts it on a cart, and it's being pulled by by an animal. Because of the carelessness, the Ark of the Covenant of the presence of God, it's teetering on that that cart, and it goes to fall off. And Uzzah, I think probably well-meaning, what does he do? He reaches up to brace it. And when he touches it, he's dead. Why? Because God is holy. And sinful man may not touch, may not come into the presence of God. But now, in the incarnation, Mary has the Son of God in her hand. And she does not die. Because grace, mercy comes to us through Christ. The ability to go to God, to be in God's presence and not be struck down by holiness has come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Transcendence. Has become near, and for whom has this happened? Verse 11. For you. For you. There is a call to all the world, into every corner of creation man and woman, and boy and girl, and American and Asian and African, and rich, and poor, those who are in, those who are out, those who are in the world's eyes the most, those who are in the world's eyes the least, the call goes out, Christ is for you, dear friend. This is not just some story in a book that we can't get our hands on. And and it doesn't leave us with this longing of, oh, how nice that would be if it were only true. Church, it is true. It's the truest of true. It is the best of the best. God has come for you, for you. And so there's a call upon every heart in this room to believe this. You do not, in fact, get the right to reject this and get through unscathed. This is the one reality that cannot be ignored, and on the great judgment day, we will all have to reckon with. It's Christ for you. Did you receive Him as your Savior? Did you call out in faith? Did you lean and rest your whole weight and hope for eternity upon Christ? Is He yours? Are you His? Have you received the gift of eternal life from Him and Him alone? For, in verse 11, He alone is what? Savior. He alone. There's not going to be another. There's not going to be an updated version. There's not going to be a better option. There are no plan B's with God. Christ is it. For all the people. For all the ages. You see, your Savior. Never forget, church, that the reason Jesus came is because we needed saving from our sins. We needed rescuing from the bondage of slavery to sin. Jesus did not come to just make us better. Jesus did not come to help us get a better job. Jesus didn't come just to help us with our problems. Jesus did not come to give us a better life. Jesus did not come to fix our bad habits. He came to save us from our sins. And we must reckon with him. Not as a good luck charm who gives us what we want when we rub the lamp, but as the Savior who does for us that which we could never do for ourselves. Beloved, there is no problem we have that is greater than our sin. There is no problem that you have had in 2022 or that you will have in 2023 that is greater than Than your sin problem. And it is precisely that that Jesus came to fix. And by his shed blood on a cruel cross, he hangs there as God's only substitutionary atonement for the sins of his people. Do you know Christ is Savior? He is Christ. He is the King, the Messiah. The fulfillment of all the messianic hopes. We've seen this in recent weeks in Matthew's gospel. He is the Lord at the end of verse 11. Again, another theme throughout Matthew's early chapters. All authority is His. All rule and reign is His. All right is His. There's been a couple of emphases this morning in the Advent readings in one of the songs that we have sung together this morning. The emphasis on Christ as a returning king. He's not done. His rule and reign wasn't for for just a a moment in biblical history and now that's over and done with. Remember, it's an eternal kingdom. So one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. All rule is his, all reign, all authority, all power, all right is his. We must come to him for the good and sovereign Lord that he is. Church, on this Christmas morning, the God of the universe has come, and by his coming, we are saved. The God of the universe has come, and by his coming, fear is dead. Nobody ever really sits around quaking in their boots on Christmas morning, do they? This morning, when you got up, and kids were opening presents, and you were doing everything that you were doing, or later on in in your festivities this afternoon and evening, I don't think that you're going to be sitting around just quaking in fear, huddled up in the corner somewhere. I think it's going to be a very open, a very vibrant, a very robust celebration, and rightly so. I hope you have already gotten after it today, and I hope you get after it still tonight. Celebrate. And when the moment hits you, I'm not quaking in my boots in this moment. Remember why that is, because God came for you, church, came for you. What that means for you is that fear is dead, it's gone, it's defeated, it's over. If you don't know Christ today, come to him. Don't leave this building before you talk to me, before you talk to somebody here who will give you answers to your questions about how you can be right with God nothing you have done today or will do today that is more important than this reality let's pray together this morning oh God we thank you so much for the truth of your word these things that we have seen in just a couple of short verses God all the things that your spirit is stirring in our hearts All the things that we're remembering together. God, we thank you so much for the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, for the gospel reality. That Christ is come and fear is dead. The sovereign God of the universe is come and we are saved. Father, maybe we haven't even spent a lot of time this holiday season thinking about the absence of fear in our lives. But it's one of the very first things that are being addressed into the heart of man after the birth of Jesus. This command to fear not. And Father, you have commanded this and then you have so graciously and mercifully provided the means by which we can actually fear not. No, God, that is in the baby in the manger in Bethlehem. It is in the child who would grow up and live a sinless life, go to the cross as a man And die a substitutionary death for the sins of His people. Oh God, fix our eyes on Jesus this day. For He is the author and perfecter of our faith. May there be great joy within our hearts. Father, I pray that if there's one in the room that does not know Christ as Savior today, you would sweetly, gently, Graciously, oh God, draw them to yourself. Help them to behold the beauty of Christ and to be found in Him. All praise, all honor, all glory is to your great name, who you are and what you've done in giving us your Son. And we pray this in His name. Amen. Amen. Church, we're going to. Oh